Hi, it's Jack Hill here, and I'm listening to the Walter Paisley Movie House, and it's really very refreshing to hear this kind of a, this kind of an interview. And um, I hope you listen to it. I hope you enjoy it. It's uh, been great fun. This is the Walter Paisley Movie House. I'm here with my engineer Jason Harris. Our music, as always, is by Jonathan Harmon. Today we're going to pick up with part two of Debbie Rashan. Hope you guys enjoy it. Picking up right where we left off, and here we go. Uh, I know. So you'd said you started out in your youth. You were, you know, growing up in a rural area, watching like the old Hammer and AIP movies, uh, a lot of the Corman films, New World, and stuff like that. I exactly the same myself. Did you guys have a midnight horror host or anything like that? No. No, okay. I mean, if there if there was, I didn't know about it or mm -hmm. it wasn't aired where I was. But no, I didn't have that enjoyment. And I did you when you got to New York, were you watching Zachary at all? Did you ever pick up any I of his? I, okay. I met him at uh, Chiller. Sure. And then I saw his work. It was kind of backwards. You know, yeah. I met him first and then saw his work and and met all of the guys who actually were on his like. Uh, monster dance show. I believe it was out of Philly, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god! And at working with these guys, and they would go on on his show as teens, all dressed up as monsters, and and he would interview them and stuff. And I was like, my mind was blown. And that was like, you know, Michael Thomas and Paul Scrabo and like a whole bunch of these guys that that I know now, and I work with, I've worked with, and and love these guys and. Yeah, I didn't know like the the um, the amount of of influence mm -hmm. and importance. I only knew it because I I saw people were treating him, and then going back, I was like, wow, like he was a massive influence. Like he, just he shows up in all of Henenlotter's films, and yeah. <laughs> it's just he's just yes. fun. No, <laughs> I know he's in brain damage. Oh, I love it. Come on, I Brian, don't it. you want my juice? Tell me if I'm wrong. Didn't he not get credited um, for that though? I he. Or am I, wrong? I think he did. I'd have I'd have to look. I've only watched the movie a hundred times, but I, yeah, I, I think he did. I feel like it was a oh. late edition. Like a late edition credit, Jason. Yeah, like, okay. like they didn't originally, but then it got added later. I, I feel like probably I put it on DVD part. releases yeah. or something. I okay, like I think I think you're okay. It sounds like maybe not theatrically, but then later they added him in. Yeah. Okay, so. <laughs> because like he's the type of guy to do it because he loves brain damage, brain damage. <laughs> so yeah, I remember I I I. Thought I heard the story that uh, John Zachary wanted so much to do the movie, and of course did the movie because mm -hmm. he loves that stuff. But then he was kind of like a, this phallic symbol, and he was concerned with the uh, television station he was working with if this wasn't going to go over well. Do you know what I mean? Yes. That was that was my impression of that story, but that's why I was asking. I wasn't sure. But perhaps if it just came out with the DVD, that that was true. I, I think, I, there, yeah, I'd have to look, but I think that might yeah. be right. I trust Jason's brain more than mine because he's younger. Jason, I'm... save us. Yeah, well, <laughs> we do anything he's... really off here. You gotta, like... I, I collect so much stuff over, the, over these years that I don't know where it comes from. I just 
things I just remember suddenly. You got to do like me. I pushed math out for all of this kind well, of I stuff. Math so out yeah. Out <laughs> <laughs> um, so you've, I've heard you talk a little bit about cult films, and I'd, I want to talk about this a little bit. Then I want to talk about Model Hunger, which I could probably talk about for two hours. Yeah. But um, so so you, I've heard you say you know some of your favorite cult films are things like Taxi Driver, Escape from New York, Dog Day Afternoon, which is one of those almost perfect films. Uh, yes. Those things. What what got you kind of going down that rabbit hole of cult films and starting to watch those? Boy, well, you know, just like living uh, for the bulk of my adult life in New York and just um, really enjoying, um, even before I moved there, seeing Escape from New York and, uh, you know, of course, Taxi Driver is like my all-time favorite movie of all time. Fantastic and film. Then, Yes. And then, but then also like besides all these great movies, um, you know, including the warriors, uh, also road warrior, which is from Australia and it's not New York, but all of these, like the more I went down the rabbit hole of like eccentric offbeat cult, rarely seen New York movies, which, uh, were just being made barely as movies, just kind of like, you know, experimental stuff. Mm -hmm. uh in the 70s and 80s um it just is like it was so raw but yeah. it was so what i found to be amazing right because mm -hmm. like my favorite eras were for film are like 70s and 90s because they both had a really cool it wasn't as though there wasn't good stuff in the 80s but the the rawness and the independence were really shining in those two decades i find I would so, agree. you know, like just coming out with, um, you know, what Clerks had done, uh, whether somebody's a fan of that or not. I think it's a great movie, but just like all these Jarmusch movies and oh. all of these like Paris, Texas uh, was it's not a New York movie, but great just like movie. all these movies that were just odd. You know, they didn't have to have this like incredible, dense amount of story and 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 perfect ending it was like slice of life talking more about the well i guess the 70s too but more about the the 90s for example yeah. just slice of life stuff just a day in the life of or a week in the life of and that's it you know that's it mm -hmm. and so it just it just was it's the type of movies that, that i i like the most i just really do and and i love horror movies a mm -hmm. lot and the, why do i love them acting wise because for females and males, I'm sure. I just don't know because I'm female. Uh, but you could do roles that you would never be able to do in any other movie. You wouldn't be able to play a crazy mad scientist in X movie that's, you know, coming out, Fried Green Tomatoes. You wouldn't no. be able to play a mad scientist in Fried, you know, just a random example. Um, so that and then also the subject matter that it covers right and mm -hmm. you could say whatever you want to say in a horror movie you could say nothing you could just have a bunch of fun kills but you could also say so much comment on society within the you know the uh, construction uh, uh of a horror movie you just have so much more freedom you could speak about things that are going on you know I can't think of a better segue to get to model hunger than that. Uh, that, there you go. <laughs> Set up. 
That's uh, so I watched that a couple weeks ago, but it was also great watching it with the female because she, in fact, after when we talked about it, I said, tell me all of your impressions. Because as we were watching it, we were both noting, we're like, even if I didn't know, I could tell this was shot by a woman. Um, just, just the way it was handled, I could tell a dude didn't do it. And so I asked her some of the things that, that she liked about it. She said, you know, you don't want to be catcalled, but it also hurts when you're not. And I think that's how she kind of looked at Lynn Lowry's character in that. What really kind of started you thinking about this when you were, were thinking about doing this movie? Okay, so it's very multi-leveled. And whether anybody could see that or not, that, that's where it's born from. It's kind of like on the surface, it's somebody who has been rejected by, you know, what they knew. Well, they've always had a very difficult time as within her flashbacks, you could see that her original hurt was uh, because of a body issue type of thing. Never let it go. Um, and okay, it doesn't drive everybody to become uh, murderous cannibals, but it did in this case. It's also though, um, a comment on, you know, I mean, television, talking about the Susie Secret show right now, I mean, television is, is just one big lie for the most part. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of great things on there that I love that I'll never miss. Uh, like ghost, I love ghost adventures, but, um, the, for the most part, the comment on, um, that particular idea of, of using Susie Secret where James Mogart wrote this script and did an insane job with it, but was also such an amazing person that he said, okay, like now it's yours. And so what I did, the first thing I did was, um, Susie, uh, Susie was always gonna be wearing a fat suit mm -hmm. so that she was, you know, big, big girl. She's a very skinny girl in real life. So yes. yeah. that was al always in the plan. And then it was kind of in the plan that it be believable and yet not at the same time and she did a wonderful job kind of like you know riding that uh fine line mm -hmm. where it was very real for the character in the moment knowing that you know as an audience member you may see other right mm -hmm. but also taking all of the the female models and just making them men mm -hmm. And and men who do this professionally, by the way, yes. like you know, yeah. not just you know any man, but but taking either uh, whether they be trans people or female impersonators or or like that, but having people very sincerely uh, either live or dress as women, mm -hmm. um, depending on on you know what the case may be, because there's some that we didn't even uh, use, so there's like a number of of people, and. Um, and so there you go. The, the, the point of all that was, okay, even within the culture of accept who you are, no matter what you look like, what you are, what you aren't, uh, what size you are, what size you aren't, even within that culture, there's a lot of hypocrisy, right? Because it's really, there's a scam to get people skinny and, and, and lots of plastic surgery. Then there's the scam of uh, just keep, uh, you know, being the way that you are and and perhaps uh maybe uh do more so eat more eat more 
because like you should be proud of who you are, but then you're sort of throwing, you know, a certain aspect of your health away, depending on, you know, how far down. Any extreme is bad is what I'm really trying to say. Like mm. any extreme, both extremes have their issues and problems. And so that was like part of that. So we can kind of go into every level of um, the movie and, and dissect it that way. But yeah, the commentary on women, for women, it's it really is summed up in the last line of the movie is like, you know, uh, we have met our enemy and she is us. I mean, that's really, that's really, it comes right down to that. I mean, and that's just the truth because it's each of us that are doing all of the damage to ourselves because we can reject as hard as it may be in society, right? We can reject all of these things that are put upon us, but which of the ones are we going to let eat away at us and turn us into these monsters? Or are we going to really attempt to have a sincere, realistic image of ourselves that's not either extreme? It's like even in politics, you have the far right and the far left. You know, what about, you know, being something that's healthy in moderation down the center? So that's all part of it for me. Yeah. That's, that's the approach that I was going for. Kind of a, a finding that balance and, and living within it, not finding the, the um, like the, the hedonism of one way or the other. Right. And they both have it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And they both have it. So true. Okay. Even you know, religion can be like that. You don't have to be religious <laughs> to get the point, right? You got they got too much or too far away, and then but really somewhere I don't know. It's like the these are all hot topics, politics and religion. But you yeah. understand exactly what I mean. Like you know, this this no matter what you do, it's there's got to be some kind of um, of a more like what you say, more of a zen, if you will for lack of a better way to put it, more of a, a moderation and understanding. And there is no easy fix, mm -hmm. be it one extreme, being like junky skinny with tons of plastic surgery, which by the way, if that makes you happy, then God bless. It's not a judgment on that. And the other extreme, you know, just going the hedonistic way, like you say, and the other that's, that's equally as unwell for you. So the hard work is not to just say either fuck it one way or the other, right? The mm -hmm. hard work is to sort of like to deal. And here you have a bunch of women in this movie that, that aren't dealing, you know, they're just reacting. And um, yeah, that's why the end of the movie is like really the basis for the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So you got Lynn Lowry, who is in Incredible. I honestly think that might be my favorite role I've ever seen her in. Um, I did. I, I have a couple technical questions, and it's just because I'm a nerd. But mm -hmm. one thing, so she's got a lot of inner monologue going on that you're playing over. Mm -hmm. Were you playing that as she was, as you were shooting some of that coverage of her? No, actually, I was saying it. I was saying it to her, not never. So you were, you were, but she, it was being read out or something. Yes. Okay, because I was watching her react to what was happening in that monologue, and I'm like, that is just beautiful. It, it was mm -hmm. so nice to see. So often they do those coverage shots and then throw in stuff, and you're just watching an actor stare. I was watching her 
actually engage with the words. And I thought she right. was just incredible in it. Yes. And like nine <sighs> times out of 10, it was me either the, in the backseat of a car or wherever <laughs> saying her lines to her. And then once in a while, um, it wasn't necessary because of uh, the shooting situation. And like, she knew it. So total credit goes to her regardless, because as you know, when I was directing the, directing the movie, I probably wasn't giving her like a nine out of a 10 performance to react from, but she had the triggers, you know, she could hear the words and she knew what triggers cause she already talked about method. She's totally method, like thousand percent. That's why she's so good in this. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it was just nice. And for timing, as you mm -hmm. know, for the timing of how long the push-in should be or whatever the case may be. So for all of that, I was, I was doing the reading. Did, did you know going <laughs> poor, in that poor, you, I'm sorry. I said, poor Lynn. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you know going in that you wanted her for that part? I really did. I really did. Like right before uh, we started shooting, there was kind of a um, a big uh, change of guard, if you will. Um, so something had happened and everything had to be changed, like from the nuts and bolts on up, except for me and James. That was the only uh, consistent thing. So when that happened, I felt like, um, now how do you say this without uh, being mean, but I felt like everything happened the way that it that it should. In other words, it's not as though other people would not have like just you know slam dunk what what they were you know could have done. But I just feel like for so many reasons, in like again going back to that Zen thing, I think that everybody who did it was supposed to do it in that particular moment. So I think, you know, could have I asked for a better Lynn? No. I mean, Lynn is just like, uh, she's just everything in this movie. She's everything, everything. And she was given the material to be everything. So it was like one of those beautiful uh, situations that happens so rare because you look at her talents and how many great movies and directors she has worked with. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, something as, you know, raw and indie as this. And there she is just blowing it up, blowing the screen up. So just to be able to be just part of that link, you know, chain that was to be able to give this to her will be like a highlight forever because it's fucking beautiful. It really is. There's, yeah. I've, I've, I won't name names, but there are a lot of the bigger names in the genre who will do those lower budget films who don't give the raw. They're phoning it in. And I was yep. a little skeptical when I saw her name, but I was wrong to be. She is 110% all the way through. And her mm -hmm. builds and the bravery of her to wear some of those costumes at her age. She was 69, I believe, when that was shot. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. And to wear those, I, I was just blown away by every choice she made in it and and the, just the bravery of the role. I thought she did a fantastic job and it speaks a lot to a director to to see that potential and let her run. And let her, and it, I need to add because you brought it up right there and it reminded me the day that she was doing the lingerie scenes, mm -hmm. that was her favorite day shooting. She couldn't wait to get in the lingerie. 
she did like a photo session with David Morancic where um, I saw he plays some of the pops. Yeah. And and she was just talking about it the whole day, the photo shoot mm-hmm. in the lingerie. Like she had the big scenes, of course. She was mostly thinking about that, but she was just at the end of the day, she was like, "Do we still get to do the sexy lingerie picture?" I mean, that that's how much she loved it. She loved it. And as a matter of fact, we were going to um, shoot like a Q&A for the DVD. And perhaps we did. And it got lost. Or what? Question mark. Uh, That would have to be like, you know, further investigation. There was a lot of uh, issues like that. Mm -hmm. However, she wanted to do that in the lingerie. Her DVD interview, you know. I mean, so that this is like, you know, it is like all wow. coming together when the lead actress is so like into it and excited about every single part of this, including like the lingerie. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I'm being serious though, because she just embodied it and ran with it and just loved every piece of it. She loved what the character had to say. She loved what the character did did she loved the what she had to tap into which is something that that you know certainly you don't get to no matter what age you are in this business yeah there's more female bad characters now than mm-hmm. like when i had started or for the women before me unless you're barbara Steele or somebody mm-hmm. but um boy so so when you get those roles you're just like so there present just chewing it up like enjoying every minute of it and that was her and that was her it so, shows and she was yeah. fantastic but I including was... the lingerie that's why i brought it up when you said that but including wearing and and wanting to be in the lingerie so i love that i love that's it. great love it. yeah there were there were so many interesting stylistic choices um there were there were some shots that um in, in the second kill the way it was shot did you it, it almost felt like it was filtered to kind of give it a grindhouse movie feel just in that one moment it wasn't film wide it was in that one moment it felt very midnight movie in Times square to me and it had mm-hmm. to be a deliberate choice were you were you kind of just playing around stylistically throughout well like it was a combination of you know i would have a lot of uh talks with with wolf the dp on this Mm -hmm. who is like a amazing truly dedicated lives for his art kind of guy and um there was a a lot of talks about like how everyone should be um just slightly different in style but but also building up like we don't like the very first one then two then three like everyone has to be more show more not give like the full on um gore shots mm-hmm. right off the bat which there's value in that too but i wanted like even the gore if you will to have an arc so that by the end then you're really seeing like something graphic and disturbing by mm-hmm. that last you know the uh, circumcision yeah yeah exactly yeah Exactly. And that's, and, but if you're numb to it by then, it won't mean anything, you know, if you're, but that's, that's just how I feel. So I wanted, uh, even within there, but some of the shots, and I wouldn't say the one that you're talking about, some of the shots were, you know, uh, technically, uh, challenged because there wasn't always 
um, like I didn't, of all the things that I had, which talent was the most important. I mean, it, it, it just superseded everything. I didn't have endless amounts of money. So for one, so something that I had to sacrifice that I, that I wouldn't again, I don't know where I would um, uh, have taken that from because, you know, we were just scraping by putting everything into our talent just to have them there. They weren't working for like massive amounts that they deserved to be working for. Uh, but one of the things that I did not have while shooting was a monitor. So I would, I would see through the camera and I would, there was a tiny one on the camera, but he was moving. So I couldn't really see, uh, we had playback of course, mm -hmm. but, uh, there, there are a couple of scenes where I'm just kind of like, Ugh, cause I know, mm -hmm. like, it's not that I would be, that would be okay with me if I saw it, you know what I mean? Yeah. But you had to just go through and like old school days when you're shooting on film mm -hmm. and you just, you know, you only have enough money for one or two shots. Like, well, no, we did more than one or two, but without a monitor, it was almost like right. the same hamstrung, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was a strange thing. So that, you know, again, that's not an excuse, but that's just the reality mm -hmm. of, uh, of what we went through. So I, I, that's why I, always say, I hope people like this movie, warts and all. That's not a backtracking excuse. That's kind of like, I understand. I know what yeah. happened. I understand and I see. I'm I mean, not you, blind. You also had Harry Manfredini doing the score on that, which is a huge, yeah. I mean, that's a huge score. That's <laughs> huge. It's huge. It's, it's massive. Uh, that I, I will say the one scene that stuck with me so well, and it's, and it talks to what you were just saying about building the gore. It's in that first torture scene. You do a shot of her toes curling and it's chilling because mm -hmm. first off, you never see that. They never show the, the, the outward physical reaction beyond usually the, you know, the, the girl screaming or, or the, the outlook of the gore. Instead, we see her toes, something that, you know, it, you never really think about toes, but you feel that curl when you're feeling pain. It's like just when you when you hit your shin, that's what you yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. And so seeing that was so visceral to me, so much more than if I had seen the gore. Mm -hmm. Very effective shot. Yeah. Really, really. <laughs> that's, that's and I, not to cut you off, but no, I no. wanted a lot of like, uh, not in a fetishistic way, and yet in a fetishistic way, I wanted a lot of women feet in in the movie. The reason being, whether it be like shoe shots, high heel shots, or mother walking in the flashback, the feet under the table. The reason is because like it's once again one of these things, it's symbolic things of uh, being a female and wearing the trappings of stuff like that. So even though she's not in shoes, because then it would be really pointless, but even with the curling of the feet, the one I needed to be there, a lot of feet, because it seems to be just something like, and going way too deep into this. But my reasoning was like everything from the Asian culture where they would bind the feet or the high heel shoes and, and all, the, all these reasons I had written down on paper that no one will ever know. And you don't need to know, it doesn't matter. But to me at the time and the moment, it mattered. And so, yeah, that's, that's why. But yes, sometimes just showing like a, a finger you know, reacting to pain 
triggers easier mm -hmm. than actually showing like the wound, yeah. right? Because then you're watching like an outsider, but when you're seeing something like this, you know, it's like, you can relate to it. So that, yeah. Well, to, to let you know, Julie pointed out at one point was during the film, she's like, oh, this is just a great way to remind people that pumps suck. She's right. She's yeah. right. Yeah. I, I wanted to talk a little bit too um, about some things you did, projects that are just interesting to me. Uh, first off, you went to Khan. Uh, with mm -hmm. Terror Firmer, which is kind of the infamous trauma at con moment. Uh, it's written about in um, Make Your Own Damn Movie, the first book of that. Uh, and you were, I believe you were one of the 40 or 50 people in one hotel room <laughs> when you were there. Hotel room? Excuse yeah. me? <laughs> you mean an apartment? Apartment, whatever it is they put you on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah, I was. I don't think there was that many in that particular apartment, but there was a lot. There was a lot. Yeah. And so, what was the challenging thing about that? Um, uh, getting shower time. <laughs> I believe. I think it's. I think Trent Hogg or, or Doug Sackman described the jacuzzi toward the end of the weekend as a a brown toxic soup. So <laughs> I, that could very well be. Can't I never imagine. Would. Not like a jacuzzi person, but I can oh, I I couldn't even imagine wanting to get into it, let alone seeing it. But I don't know actually where what year they're talking about. Maybe they're talking about Citizen Toxie year. That may have been. That may have been. Where I I never saw any uh, but, uh, jacuzzi. That was way upscale. <laughs> that was the other I remember we're all on on very tight budgets because you know we were sure. they got us over there to Cannes, but they didn't have money to like make sure everybody was fed because it was right. like do you want to go i mean you don't have to go mm -hmm. uh we'll buy your tickets but um uh the volunteers got themselves there from all over the world but the the people in the film was sort mm -hmm. of like we'll give you a, a place to sleep and buy your ticket do you want to go yeah okay that sounds like fun see it on a big screen mm -hmm. um but you know so the the budget for stuff like food was like really thin uh, in my case, certainly. So I remember eating like baguettes with cheese on the beach every single day. Like it was, I think it was like a uh, one seventy-five. Uh, it wasn't euros back then, so it was like right, I forget what France. they call it now. But yeah, you know, uh, some coins. Mm -hmm. And so if you <laughs> basically just have one, possibly two of those a day, you were good. And it was nice yeah. and cheap, and and you could do it. But the jacuzzi thing, I missed, and it sounded like it was a really good thing. <laughs> You know, a bunch of swirling crud doesn't yeah. sound. Yeah, <laughs> it did not sound <laughs> fun to me. <laughs> far too neurotic to be able to do something like that. Just throw myself in there. But overall, though, you're in. You know, you're you're this this. You'd come up through the the movies, just working your way up, and suddenly you're in con. I mean, what yeah. wh what did that feel like? Just to to be at this. You know, people still, it's not as prestigious to me as it once was, but you were kind of there when it was really still a big thing and Tarantino was just coming on the scene and, and it was yeah. really becoming yeah. a huge deal worldwide, whereas before that it had been kind of a niche uh, sort of uh, festival. So what was it like right. being there kind of at the peak of its real big notice in the world? Well, I mean, it, <laughs> we were there when it was, when that was happening. But also keep in mind that we were there 
um, as the redheaded stepchildren of the entire thing. So during the day, we would have these impromptu uh, parades down the streets right. and, uh, you know, to promote whatever movie, whether it's Terra Firma or Citizen Toxic. So I was there, um, I was probably there about five years, but two years with trauma. And uh, so, and the first two times. So, um, they, you know, they had like things like E! Entertainment was there back then and they would actually cover trauma. You know, they had no problem because it was like the uh, the crazy element mm. of the the film festival. <laughs> but it, it was fun because you would, we'd be like, you know, screaming, ranting and raving with these silly homemade signs and saying, hey, come and check this out. You know, it's playing then. And, uh, you know, whomever would drive by, let's just say Tarantino for the heck of it. Mm -hmm. You know, you drive by and everybody would be like all in awe. And so we'd be like, oh, never mind that hack. Look at what we got going on over here. <laughs> I mean, we just had fun with it. But yeah, it really was. It really was like the time. Because I remember going into like the Sundance tent and they would play shorts there and stuff like that. And that's what I was really, really into is like seeing like the super cool indie stuff that was being played there. And, and I saw a couple of movies there. So I went up those red stairs a couple times and uh, it was it was a lot of fun. But it was also like, it was pretty easy to see how quickly it was gonna go down the rabbit hole because yeah. it was all about, um, at first it was about everything was being covered equally and just within a couple few year period it was just you know another golden globes if you will yeah that yeah. was in france and there's nothing wrong with that like i'm sure like if you were up for a golden globe you'd be like hey this is the shit you know but is as far as the indie world goes it immediately becomes uh very uninteresting yeah well, I know we we lost a, a great in uh, cult cinema this past this this year with Julie Strain, and you had appeared with her in several things. Do you have any memories or stories about her you'd like to share? So many great ones. You know, I, I could say one taken out of context. It sounds like a disparaging thing, but anybody who actually knows Julie knows this is not the case. Um, she came up with a movie. Uh, excuse me, a, the line in the movie Bleed, where she says. Uh, on the phone, um, I'm sitting here topless. Why aren't you home right now? Like something funny like that. That's that's Julie Strain. Like that's a line she come up with. She wants to say, and she always used to say sincerely. By the way, um, <laughs> am I am I do I get to be topless in the movie? Because if I don't, I'm not interested. <laughs> like she said, the opposite of what everybody else was pretty much saying or yeah. thinking. Even if they weren't saying it, they were thinking it. Like, I hope I don't have to, she would say, I better, otherwise mm -hmm. I'm out. You know, that, that's it. And, um, in, in, you know, if there's not, write it in. Otherwise I'm not showing up. So, I mean, this was, that was the true her. You know, she was um, sincerely, she knew who she was and she embraced it. And that's why she kicked ass so hard is because she knew what she, who she was, how to utilize that in a positive way and yet be highly supportive to other women. Like so ahead of her time, like it wasn't even cool then. And she was, because I certainly came up in a time and it exists today whether people wanna pretend it does or it doesn't. Like, you know, women just like either you are, you can help them and you're a friend. In other words, both, you know, tit for tat, so to speak, or 
um, if you are a, any form of competition, any, then, you know, that's, that's going to be that as well. And it's like, it's the type of thing where I just kind of, and, and opportunists. And I can really, just from my years of experience, just like anywhere from the street, mm-hmm. it, that was certainly a, a skill I learned on the street, all the way up through, you know, being in the business. It's mm-hmm. the same thing. And I could see it and smell it a mile away. And that's why I just don't, as they, as the term goes today for the young people, I just don't fuck with them. And that means, of course, the opposite from when we were young. Right. I don't hang with them. I don't like, you know, mess with them. I don't, mm-hmm. uh, you know, hang around with them. And I've always, so therefore I've always kind of, um, I've really spun off of Julie Strain. I apologize about that no, because no. It deserves a moment, but that's why I kind of like, always have looked at myself more far more like a lone wolf than one of this group or one of that group because i remember during the 90s it was like hey don't you dare put yourself in with linnea michelle and brink because they are the the holy trinity right (laughs) meanwhile there's a lot of other great scream queen actresses absolutely and i was thinking to myself well I like them as people. I know them all as people, as human beings, like not just on from films. And I like them all. However, I'm not trying to be, nor do I really dig that term, but I know it's going to be thrust upon me. Um, but I was never trying to. So then I had, I went through that period and then sort of like uh, maybe late 2000s or into the, the 20 teens, if you will. I don't know what they call it, but um, then it's sort of like, Oh yeah, from uh, did most of the work from that era or those eras, and I was like, yeah, yeah. But like, the, t- truth be told, I mean, besides the the um, bigger movies, unless actresses were already around from like the seventies or eighties, I mean, I, there's not a lot of people who like stuck with it through everything and didn't leave for like a decade or even two decades and then come back. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm just saying like, I was like kind of in the trenches the whole time. So I saw a lot. And so, you know, I saw like the, the, um, the growth, if you will, and what everything went through uh, from boots on the feet, or excuse me, boots on the ground. Mm-hmm. And they're on, they are on the feet actually, but they're on the <laughs> ground. And uh, back to feet again. And, uh, but like, I I bring it all back around to Julie Strain. Like she, I guess what I'm saying is during a period of time where you didn't see a lot of women really helping other women, she was, she was there doing it because she knew who she was. She wasn't threatened by anybody. She knew, she knew exactly how, how, where she fit and how to utilize what she had to the best of her ability and enjoy it Mm -hmm. and like thoroughly enjoy it. And, you know, not have these ideas of wanting to grow past it. She didn't care. So I loved her abandon. I loved her spirit. I loved her freedom. I loved her support of others. Um, One of a kind. One of a kind. Someone else that we lost that just, you know, I've I've been so close with. And it's just, I don't think I'll ever get over it, is Joe Kane. Such such a good friend of mine since I want to say ninety two. Wow. 
like really good friend, him and his wife, Nancy, like, you know, been to their house, like just been friends talking, like even in the nineties when we were on terrestrial WBAI, um, would have him on physically on the show. We used to do like a 10 PM to 3 AM show. Mm-hmm. Crazy. A lot of taxi drivers literally yeah. really did <laughs> listen to the show. Um, but he would come on and like, just, yeah, I mean, I, I can't believe that he's gone. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's another really important person that, uh, we lost this year. I'm very I mean, there's sorry so for many. your loss. I'm very sorry for that. Yeah. yeah he so. was, he was a great. yeah i mean he really kept it alive i mean he could have gone full glossy he kept it pulp his magazine i'm talking Mm -hmm. about for those that don't know videoscope Mm -hmm. and um you know he kept it so real the whole time and just championed cult yeah horror movies included but cult was his thing yeah yeah oh well, thank you for that. that. Was that was very nice. So, the Night of the Living Dead uh, that you did, where you did some uh, additional footage for, I haven't actually seen it. In fact, didn't even know it existed till I was doing some research on you. What mm-hmm. What was that experience? How did they approach you on that project? Because it's such an iconic film. Well, it was the opposite. It's... It was like I said, Jack. I've done every movie since you know whatever year ninety five that you've ever made. And you're making this? Well, you better have a part for me in this. And he laughed and he said, yeah, actually, I had a professional TV reporter, but I guess he shit canned her and gave it to me. Awesome. And, uh, and it was just like, but it was funny. Like, he didn't have to do that. And, um, and he just said, well, yeah, this is when we're shooting. So I was in actually in Atlanta. I think it was at Dragon Con, and I took the mm-hmm. train because I wasn't flying then, so I have such a fear of it. I do it now, but um, back then, I, I, so I took the, the Amtrak train from Atlanta up to Pittsburgh, and uh, we did two days of shooting, and it was like all, except for Dwayne and a couple people like that, but it, it was all, um, the original cast was all there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that we were doing it, and it was just so insanely exciting just to be on the actual sets where they did it. Yeah. And be in it. Um, and the funny thing is, uh, I had a feeling that it would probably not be well received because at first, George Romero was slated mm-hmm. to direct this, then he got Resident Evil. And he bowed out of this to do Resident Evil, which ultimately he didn't end up making that mm-hmm. either. But he was at that moment hired to direct Resident Evil. And um, so understandably so, he, he did that. And um, But I knew that it was going to be an issue, and it was. like It was like such a massive, uh, so horribly uh, ex- n- uh, rejected, I should say, mm-hmm uh by the by the viewers except for the very very few um they were just like really appalled and and horrified that somebody would touch the original and i've told this story way too many times but the reality is uh when they came out with the movie they lost the copyright because as young filmmakers back then very common they didn't even know they needed one and so it was immediate almost immediately 
public domain. And so they it, also a loophole in that is if you add 18 minutes of original footage to a piece of art, you can copyright it. Mm -hmm. So this is why it was done. So on the disc, it put out by Anchor Bay, they funded it, uh, was the original remastered as well as this version, but it gave all of them, including George and everybody else, the ability to make money from it now. Right. So I'm not saying, oh, you should like the movie because of that, but you have to also understand sometimes why things are done. Yeah. And that there is actually a very positive for George, even though you know he wasn't there, as it turned out, and he may or may not like it. That's all kind of besides the point because they were all on board, all of them, because it was all their movie. Mm -hmm. They had to be on board uh, for it to be done, and then the reasons why it was done, and then from there you could you know like it, not like it, but then you could say, well, at least I've got like the original uh, remastered, mm -hmm. beautifully remastered and redone. Um, on this and I don't have to look at the other one if I don't want to so that's my sort of like story that I like to tell because uh, when things get hated upon you could continue to do such but it's good to have some background I yeah. always find like you know why things are done you know it wasn't oh it's a money grab no it's money lost that money mm -hmm. trying to get back yeah no money no money grab um, and so, yeah, but being on, on the set with all the original people there, it was, yeah. it had like to be it. electric. It had to just be electric. electric. Yeah. Electric. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I wouldn't trade it for anything, no matter how, how anybody looks at the movie, like Fantastic. from here to eternity, it doesn't matter because it was so amazing to have that experience. Wouldn't trade it for the world. It's one of those films. I call it the, the "It's a Wonderful Life of Horror," where it it's yeah. it, we wouldn't know about it unless it was in the public domain. Um, yeah. You know, it was it was TV station said, "Oh, it's something I can show and don't have to pay for." Awesome. Here, horror host of the of the week, you take it and go. True. And uh, um, I actually turns out I told you I haven't seen it yet, but I do own it. I got it with a, a Night of the Living Dead box set. So Ooh. it's actually part of that. So I am going to watch it. <laughs> huh? um, so, so what do you have? Do you have things coming up that you want to promote? This is a, a little opportunity for you to toss those out. Sure. I mean, there's quite a few things. They all have different timelines. So I won't go into um, every one of them, but I'll just, just touch upon. This should base. be, this. you should be released in uh, June. This This podcast should be released in June with you, so. Oh, okay. Kind of give you an idea. Uh, so, so um, I continue to do my podcast obscurities, obscurities, which I encourage people to listen to. If you like it, subscribe because that's always helpful. Um, uh, you can subscribe. I know on Stitcher, Spotify. I've, I'm subscribed on Stitcher. Uh, there's Spotify and several others. Um, yeah, there's there's quite a few out there. You can subscribe on for it. Yeah, go ahead, subscribe, and it's all, by the way, on my website, wrshawn.com. So yes. um, if you want to streamline your way, sing Obscurities, there's more than one podcast with that word in the title. Mm -hmm. You just want to streamline your way right to it, just go to my website, and it's like all there. All the links are super easy, just to make it, you know, easy as possible for mm -hmm. the people. Um, 
And so that, uh, my writing carries on. So that certainly won't be done by June, but certainly know that that is like very much um, in the works. Okay. Uh, there's a, there's like three or four film projects, but to be really honest with you, I don't know dates because of the pandemic. Um, there's Guns of Eden in Buffalo and um, the Killer Babes one with the director, Brett Mullen, mm -hmm. who did um, Bloody Ballet, yeah. an incredibly talented director. Uh, so there's a whole bunch of movies that, that are in the, in the works. And I just don't know dates because of the, you know, we're still going through sure. that, that last, uh, and the last could last for eight months for all mm -hmm. I know, but the last sort of throws, if you will, of trying to, trying to contain this, uh, pandemic, but it all will happen. And, um, let's see what else, uh, I continue to, uh, work slowly. Uh, be shot in like 2022 uh, my next movie Torment Road that right now is just being like tinkered tinkered with because it's not going to be happening that soon um, so that's other other things like the book needs to get finished first so there's like a lot of stuff like that like I was telling you the producing of um, more things with the VHS massacre guys uh, yeah. they want to do documentary on on somebody that I'll be able to talk about soon but so there's all kinds of yeah I know I know. I'm excited I loved those two documentaries I still love them I make everyone watch them <laughs> they're yeah. just oh, fantastic good. thank yeah. you for that yeah and there's a couple of screenings for that but that will have already happened because we're in June right now so yeah that's right. <laughs> this that was great back in May when the, there was a it was screening at these places yeah in the May it was it went really well good just putting that out Awesome. And uh, <laughs> yeah, just like a whole bunch of whole bunch of stuff that, you know, if, I guess you just go to the website and you see like what's going on, because, you know, like I say, with the pandemic, it's sort of like everything is getting like just switched around ever so slightly here and there. The things you can count on is that I am writing and that I am doing the podcast. These are things that are happening, happening. And um uh, most importantly, I'm here with you on this show. Oh, thank you so much. Well, I have so. a couple other quickies. This one comes from my engineer, Jason Harris. Is every director you've ever worked with, do they realize how lucky they were to have you on set? My money <laughs> was very well spent. I sent 50, I just PayPal Jason $50 to ask good, that question. Good. I, I just thought he—I just thought he was being a kiss ass. So. I, I, I've been a Apparently, the money went through, life. and I appreciate that question, Jason. Um, I—I I, I definitely guarantee you that some don't, and I guarantee you that some do. And I, but I hope that people, at least, like I say, like I say, right? I hope people appreciate that. It, if they get nothing else from me, they get 110 percent. Like, you know, if they feel that it's it's good or not good, mm -hmm. that's their opinion. That's, you know, how they feel. But I think so, because overall, if you look at my um, resume, I I work with people like three, four or five times, mm -hmm. you know, and then I cut it off. No, I'm kidding. Then I say, <laughs> five, Classic stylist. Ten movies. <clears throat> Lloyd, Lloyd's getting up there. Um, but... 
so I mean, yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, if, but at this point, it's kind of like, you know, if they, they would have something that that's right for me now. Um, but uh, yeah, I would say, I would say, I, w- I would hope, I mean, I appreciate them unless they're assholes and mm. I have worked with assholes, sure. trust me. Sure. Uh, but for the most part, I mean, you won't see like multiple credits with assholes. You'll only see possibly one. Uh, but I, I think they do. I really do. I think they do. And the little thing that I have, Jason, because he asked a question, um, is that, you know, again, you know, when you when you totally commit like that to somebody's project and being on the other side in multiple roles, you appreciate when somebody's committed to your project. They're not, not just phoning it in or thinking it's just going to make them a star or something like that, something cra- crazy like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that they're there for all the right reasons yeah. that how much you appreciate that. And then once they see that, then maybe they even go off and make a couple other movies and they kind of go, ah, it'd be nice to have that Roshan here. <laughs> she comes on the set and gives like 110%. No matter what I, I tell I guarantee I they're saying it. I'm yeah, sure they're saying that, it. That's what I hope for. That's what I go for. You know, because I'm, I'm there for the, the craft, the art, the movie. Everything else is secondary. Like, I'm not obsessed with, um, you know, all the wrong stuff. Let's just put yeah. it that way. I'm not there for uh, ulterior motives. So I, I can say with confidence of the, of the people that I know in the industry, I, I, and Jason and I were talking about this, neither of us have ever heard an ill word said about you. Never. Always, oh, always right positive. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm always very positive about you. Just... <laughs> <laughs> nice that is no i you know what and i appreciate every one of them because there are the others that do exist but it's not because um of any like lack of work that i've done on a film it's because of other reasons but oh they they do exist but that's okay yeah that's okay it's like we were talking about before like you have to have both extremes for the middle to exist right So, so in order to have the people that you appreciate exist you've got to have like the the demons or sure. the the bad guys. Yeah. So that's okay, but I appreciate those people. And you ought to have them on more. Yes. <laughs> My plug for those people. That's a nice thing. I, there are so many people I would love to talk to. I'd love to talk to Lynn <laughs> Lowry. I I it's so oh. much. Yeah. Oh. We're we're just we're just beginning so we're starting to kind of um you know, send out invitations. I actually had Linnea Quigley booked two years ago, then my life fell apart. So uh, yeah. she's not available anymore. I'm hopefully I can get her down. No, I'm hoping down the line I might be able to get her again though. So oh, okay. uh, working working on it. Well, Debbie, thank you so much for your time. You've been so oh, generous. Uh, I, I, this, it's, I, as I said to Lloyd, uh, you know, it's, it's a, a little nerd kid from a small town in Indiana who whose home video store literally got trauma films just for him uh yes. that you know to to be able to now be talking to some of these people is uh just very mind-blowing to me especially you whose career i've just kind of been growing up with uh mm-hmm. i i really really just love your work and this has been a wonderful interview i've really thank enjoyed you. my time thank you so thank much you. i have a I have a feeling this is going to be a two-parter, so uh, yes. definitely, yeah. which keep is them, great. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> on the internet, though, if things are longer than X amount of minutes, yeah, just they don't watch anyway. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So make it a three-parter. Make it like a 
Netflix uh, miniseries. There we go. <laughs> the Debbie Saga. The Debbie Saga, yes. Right. Well, thank you so much. Um, okay. If, if down the line, when your memoir's finished, if you want to do any promotional of that, I'd be happy to talk to you again. Um, I do. Just I let do. me know. No. I'll keep in contact with you. So yep. thank you so much. Is there anything else you wanted to add to anything we talked no, about? I okay. <laughs> thank you so much again. Have a okay, great thank day. Thank you, guys. Bye, Have Debbie. a great one. We love you, you so much. Bye-bye. Bye, Jason. Bye, Jason. Bye, guys. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> There you go, guys. Debbie Rashawn. How about that? What a great person. Really enjoyed that talk. I hope you guys did, too. Our next episode will feature Fred Olin Ray, Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, among hundreds of other films. I think you guys are going to really enjoy that conversation as well. He tells a lot of stories he's never told before. Uh, we had a good time talking. It'll be another two-parter. As always, this has been the Walter Paisley Movie House. I'm here with Jason Harris, my engineer. Our music is by Jonathan Harmon, and I'm your host, Dylan Rory. Remember, the world's opening back up, so as you're back out there hitting the scene, make sure you take care of your servers, because at the Walter Paisley Movie House, we do not piss on hospitality.